Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Zach, we're back and ready to attack. Mm-hmm. Did you see what I did there? Zach attack? Never heard of it before. Never? You never heard that? Kids at school never said Zach attack? Nope. When never. you were playing vert football, you weren't Zach attack? I wasn't Zach attack when I played football, no, but... I have heard that before, yes. Okay. I'm just being facetious. It's okay. (laughs) We haven't recorded in a little bit, and I'm excited because I'm treating today's game as the bridge into holiday season for us. Yes. Today, we're going to be talking about the magical tale from Enigma Fellowship, and Christmas is magical, if I'm not mistaken, and although this game is not Christmas-themed, I think it's the perfect way for us to get into the holiday season. Yeah. So if you are not familiar with this game, hang around. We'll be talking about it more right after the break. And we have to give a shout out to Skate Mail, the sponsor of our studio. Skate Mail, great Christmas gift. I might throw in perfect stocking stuffer for the advanced puzzler as well as the first time player. So got to check our friends over at Skate Mail out. But hang around with us. We're super excited to talk about this game from our friends over at Enigma Fellowship. We'll be right back with you. Zach, Zach, what's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay, I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this Southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And okay, let's, let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before Boston, like ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did. that was about Harvard. was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Do you know what state that the murder happened? Yeah. It happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about like the lovely city murder that happened? Like the killing affairs. That's what I'm talking about. But now you're not, now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about The Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, But over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Welcome back to Puzzling Company here in the first section of the show. Zach and I do what we imagine most people do at home after they play an at-home puzzler mystery game, which is dissect it. Talk what? about it. What did you like? What didn't you like? People do that? <laughs> I hope so. They're listening. Either we're doing it for them or... Yes, I think it's part of the experience. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Just full of snark today. Get ready. Who knows what might be said on this episode? So, Zach, we are talking about the magical tale. Mm -hmm. What in the world is this game? 
So uh, the Magical Tale, I'm going to call it a fairy tale style game uh, made by Enigma Fellowship in which you are solving puzzles on the journey of Baron Von Puffington III. Yes. As he tries to get back his magical tail. Ooh. Which we only had the realization right before recording this episode that, that the magical tale is about the dragon's magical tale. It went way over our heads, everybody. So, uh, but uh, tell us about the format of how this game is played. In the magical tale, um, when you're working through it, you're going to be reading different chapters of this fairy tale like story about Baron von Puffington. But as you're doing that, you will run into some problems that kind of come up because of the magical tale. It kind of causes things to change as well as kind of add new puzzles to the world that it's in. They have asked us to help doing some of these more difficult puzzles that Baron von Puffington needs help with. And it is really, I'm going to call it ornate. Mm -hmm. This is not your typical book, which is kind of the first point that we wanted to come in and talking about what we really liked about this game. It's got a wooden cover. It was very clearly put together by hand. It's a keepsake in and of itself. Yes. But what we really enjoyed about it is the way that the medium was used. Zach, mm-hmm. how did how did that play out? Like, why, why was that one of our likes? It was just really well done. I mean, we really liked the storytelling. So you get the, like, old-time fairy tale. But... The medium is used well in terms of that the puzzles were hidden into the pages itself. There are kind of a separated part for the puzzle to be held in, but it was really enjoyable to kind of read the story and it kind of gave some natural hints as you're setting up for the puzzle. You would do the puzzle. And then also, I mean, clearly the intent was made to make this look like a classic fairy tale yeah. style book. I just, I agree with you. I enjoyed story, then puzzle, and then working it all together. In my opinion, it's one of the best uses that I've seen of like when you say puzzle book Mm -hmm. Uh, and hang on to that idea. We may be talking about that in our middle section today. Okay. The next thing that we really liked about this game is its accessories as well as the replayability. And And Zach, I know the accessories really stuck out to you, so I'll let you talk about that. But I want to talk about the replayability first. Okay. I'm trying to think of a game that is easier to put back together and hand to another person. Maybe some unlocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a few card game-esque ones, yeah. but for uh, a book-style um, puzzle experience that is The Magical Tale, it does a really good job of keeping it self-contained. Yes. But then a lot of the material you're not really messing with too much. Out, I'm, like, maybe one puzzle that... Well, yeah, one puzzle you, you have to, but but even then I technically could think there's probably another way of doing that puzzle that you could make it work without messing yes. with the material too much. So, yeah, I loved the fact that, but it's only emphasized by, again, what you're about to talk about. Yeah, so the really big accessory that I liked for the game is that there is an actual audiobook for The Magical Tale. It was very fun to listen to. I mean, it was really appreciated just to even have it, but then knowing the person who voiced all of it made it even better as we were listening to their voice as they changed between uh, a, a lot of different characters, yes, different characters and stuff like that. But you could tell that they put a lot of effort into making the different voices and really trying to create this audiobook that had like the background music and these characters that you got along with that it seemed like a very genuine and actually really solid audiobook. I liked it because it made it more multiplayer friendly. Yes. As well. Yeah, yeah. Generally, when we have something to read, Zach will read it, I'll read it, we'll alternate. This is a pretty decent sized little fairy tale. Yes. And I was more than ready to read Zach a bedtime story. 
but I'm thankful because then if you wanted to follow along, you could follow along again, reemphasizing what Zach said, knowing and getting a big smile on our face when the person started speaking for the first time. And then we honestly, full disclosure, had some really good chuckles at some of the different voices, not making fun of the individual, but just appreciating yes. the the effort into get their voices into different places. Mm-hmm. It amplified the experience for us. And we really, really enjoyed that. And Zach, what was the last thing we really enjoyed about this book? Yeah. So the last thing that we, I mean, there's a lot of things we liked, but the third thing we put on our list is the narrative of the magical tale. For a fairy tale style game, it's really applicable. It was really well done. It's not difficult to follow or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just about a nice little uh, dragon trying to get his magical tail back. But what I found funny, and I don't mean this in any negative way, but I, I actually genuinely liked it, was that the story was well done for how kind of simplistic to degree it was. But then it also had a bunch of life lessons thrown back to back yes. to back. So like, you know, it's kind of like, don't judge a book by its cover knowing who a true person is from the inside. Don't go chasing waterfalls. We we were in our feels. We were like, oh, I wasn't ready to learn. Like, I wasn't ready to be affected on a personal level by this, like, seemingly, you know, I say, quote, unquote, kid story. Yes. And Zach pointed that out midway through the game. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this is accomplishing the traditional goal of a, a story of this nature. Yes. Which was really funny. And we laughed because Zach did say his waterfall line when we were playing. I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, dang it. No, he was kidding. Right over my head, just like the title of the book. <laughs> yep. Uh, really, our room for improvements are, are very short. The first one I'll say is if you're a longtime listener of ours, you know Zach well and I enough to know that we're not crafty people. Cutty puzzles and foldy puzzles are not our bag of tea. There is one foldy puzzle in here. It's not a bad puzzle, but it just was not our thing. Yeah, that's really it. In terms of those puzzles, the rest of the puzzles were really well done. And even that puzzle was done well. But the moment I knew that there was a foldy style (laughs) puzzle, I was like, oh, okay. No! So we we did it, and we got it to a degree. But then I was like, after that, I was like, oh, I don't I, I tried my best to like get through the puzzle and mind you, it wasn't a bad puzzle, but like I said, just not a preference. When a foldy puzzle or a cutty puzzle wins us over, that's how we know it's truly a great foldy or cutty puzzle. True. But that's a little bit of poking fun at the type of puzzle, but also something to be aware of for those of you that are like us and don't like to manipulate things in such a way. The other thing that I would say for less of a room and improvement, more just awareness of who this is for I think this is a great solo play for people. The puzzles do not really dictate a second person. Not too difficult. I think you could play this with your, if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, Mm -hmm. this would be a fun little thing to do. And as I mentioned before, it is a great little keepsake. But all in all, it was just kind of enchanting Mm -hmm. is the word that I'm going to use. We didn't really have a, a whole lot of expectation going into this. Took us what? When audiobook and puzzles together, maybe a couple hours. It was like an hour, hour and 15. Something like I that. Think. It's it's just fun. Like, it's fun to people see people create a longer style original puzzle mm-hmm. and then capitalize on the medium, as we'll talk a little bit more in the second section. But yeah, pick this up. Again, maybe you don't celebrate any of the, I'll call them mainstream December holidays. Maybe you're something looking for something else a little magical. This would be something fun to do. Uh, Feels like a great thing you could curl up next to a fire and do. Mm -hmm. 
Really, that's it for our first section. We have Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T. Oh, it's Who Done It, Jared. Yeah, in the new Escape the Crate game, it's the Escape Who Done It. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending. I mean, agree to disagree on pronunciation. And by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to Escape Dash the dash crate.com and use code puzzling co puzzling co all one word and you'll get 25% off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have welcome back to puzzling company your home for at home puzzles and mysteries this is the second section of the show which is puzzles to the people in this section of the show this is where jared and i get to have a nice discussion about a topic that is related to the game we played today or to the community or talking about reviews from the game, so on and so forth. Usually it's a little random, but I think as time has gone on, either I'm just becoming smarter or Jared's making it way more obvious to me what the topic is. Today's topic, I would like to guess, Jared, because you made it pretty clear in the first section, that we're going to be talking about puzzle books to a degree. Is that correct? That is correct. And we call that signposting or cluing. Thank in, you. In the- <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I wanted to talk about puzzle books because I'll start off with a very honest statement. I'm not the biggest fan of most puzzle books. Same. It feels like in the same way that escape rooms started in this format of 60 minutes and it kind of just went from there. It feels like Journal 29 kind of became the standard of what you should expect from a puzzle book. And there's so many imitations. Yes. In my opinion of that style. So that's when, when people think of puzzle book, they either think, Oh, it's a book full of crossword puzzles. Or if they're thinking of a different style of puzzle, I think they think of this, Yeah. but there's a range of different things out there. And I just kind of wanted to discuss different flavors, different options, where you feel like the magical tale fits into all of that and hmm. maybe just general discussion about the medium in general. Okay. So where do you, I said a lot, where do you want to start? What took magical tale up in our book in terms of the medium? Yeah, the, the magical tale is really good. I actually think it's a really good starter into the puzzle book world um, because I think it does a good job of kind of introducing more at home or escape room style puzzles but in a book and has you kind of start the introductory of reading for context or for cluing and hints, but then applying it to more tangible at home or escape room style puzzles. So I actually really like it for that in terms of that, uh, that kind of field of giving an introduction, but also kind of elevating and creating a new medium use for the at home space more in terms of the, the magical tale in terms of how it's presented Puzzle books themselves, I generally am not a huge fan of, to be honest, but they have some interesting puzzles in them. And there's actually some pretty interesting puzzle designs I've seen in like Journal 29 and stuff like that that I find intriguing or that I would mess with more. But I'm just generally not just like Jared. I generally like tangibility when it comes to stuff. And that's mostly because of our experience and background, probably in escape room slash the at home tangible element. 
but I found this was a really good introduction to that kind of field, especially if you were like younger, if you had like kids and stuff like that, or if you were someone with less experience in the puzzle book world, I think this would be a good way to kind of see what it's like to a minor degree. Yes. But then still have something familiar to you that you can interact with. No, I, I think that's really good. What's interesting to me in this discussion is that if you look back historically at puzzles and kind of the world that we cover, not all, but a big majority of that world comes from written word. Yes. Right. I remember uh, Brent Price of Escape the Rumors, who's a, a writer for them. He's a big into puzzle history. Mm-hmm. And he, from time to time, finds like an old collectible. And usually it's an old book or a magazine. So this style has been around for a really long time. Like, I don't know if you remember going to like the doctor's office and doing highlights yep. while waiting and comparing the two pictures. Like the puzzles have been embedded in this, I'm going to say medium or adjacent mediums for a very long time. But where it stands currently, it just feels flavorless. The majority of puzzle books feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Homogeneous is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And I I don't want to diss any like specific books. I'm going to make it as vague as possible, but I think a lot of them, and I think we talked about this technically a little off air, but I think a lot of them are kind of intimidations of other journals. Like like journal 29 is very popular. It's a and very again, good. Right. And I don't know if journal 29 is the original. I want to make that Correct. very oh, clear. True. But yeah. I'm just saying that is my context for looking around and saying like a lot of things are similar. A lot of picture writable sketch type puzzles. Yes. I agree. That does seem to be the norm. But I mean, even if it, journal 29 is not the original, I'm just going to say in general, it feels like one became really popular. Then everyone went, Oh, we can copy this. To yes. Agree. Mind you, people have their own spin. Right, and I, and I haven't played all of them, so I don't want to judge every book by its cover. However, it does feel like a lot of them that I have interacted with, they are very similar. It's like, oh, I'm playing another version of this that has a few different puzzles, or this looks the exact same and plays the exact same. Yes. And you're like, okay, I would really prefer anything more unique. And so if they gave it its own spin or theming or narrative, or I feel like even theming alone could change it dramatically. Like I'm trying to imagine, mind you in books, it could be a little bit more difficult instead of like a box, but I think you can easily rewrite it or word it so that you have a different theming or time period and then have different like stylized art or puzzles in the game. So like, I think of like a traditional like journal 29, but then what if you just decide like, oh, I want to do something like it, but I really like the idea of doing like an 80s theme where the you're all caught up in the 80s lately. The 80s is a great time. Okay, I didn't exist in it, but I (laughs) will. Let me tell you all about it, youngster. (laughs) Yep. So um, but it's really cool to see that, though. Like, I just enjoy the element of having maybe it could be similar, but make it your own spin on theming or your own style of humor or you know whatever yeah we're big critics on if you give us a medium we want to see a creative use of the medium not just you've placed your puzzles in this medium yeah and that's what i feel like a lot of the books that i see on kickstarter and and have similar formats to uh journal 29 it's just like this is the same this is the same and and that's why i think i like games like the magical tale because Oh, we've got this illustrated audiobook. If you want that, puzzles tucked into it. It makes you realize, oh, there's options. Mm-hmm. And I thought the magical tale capitalized. Some of the other ones that float through my head that I've have some experience with is like S, 
Mm-hmm. Ship of Theseus is like the title of the book, but that is that came out years ago. That might have been almost a decade now that that's been out. Not a big fan of the puzzling in the book, but the narrative and the attempt at what really not a whole lot of other people were doing at that time yeah. was really cool. I really like what Stephen Lockyer does in some of his Escapages books. Mm-hmm. Split experiences, different things, really working with the narrative. And I think that's maybe the point I'm drawing to, but like, does a puzzle book have to have a story? Does it have to have words? Does it, does it, I don't think it does, but what's your, what's your preference? It does depend. I think it's mainly on what you're trying to sell. I'm not against playing. It's like what we do with the at home space in terms of boxes and stuff like that. If you're going to provide a narrative, just do it well, but I'm not against like getting a puzzle book that literally is just, here's a bunch of puzzles. And they can be fun. They don't have to have a narrative tie in. But if you try doing a narrative, it better be good yes. or clear intention that the narrative mattered. Absolutely. Because nothing feels more frustrating than like you give me a puzzle book and then like I clearly tell that you were just trying to some minor degree to make this make any sense with each other. But I'm like, you could have just gave me like the like 80 puzzles <laughs> or however many you throw in this book. And I would probably be a okay with it if I knew that like I'm going to just do this as like a daily challenge or like when I have free time, I'm going to spend three hours and do as many puzzles as I can or whatever. Absolutely. One of the big things that in just reading a lot of different Facebook groups or Reddits or whatever, one of the big pushes and pulls of this world, I'm interested in your opinion on this, is most of the other things that we play are made to be either chaptered or played in one sitting. There are not that many books that follow that, right? So when you have a majority of the format and content in a sit down and play in a couple of hours content. And then you get to these books, they become cumbersome or they frustrate people because they feel like they should be able to blow through them quickly. How do you feel about that? I think it's, it's expectations. I feel like if you're not used to that space, then I, I get the frustration to a degree. But I think you just have to kind of go in to a lot of them. I feel like, and I haven't looked at a bunch of the marketing for these books, so I don't want to judge it too hard based on my inexperience in that field. But I feel like it's the same thing we used to run into when we, when people played certain at home games, it's like, if people just don't read into what these books are about, you're going to get overwhelmed with the amount of puzzles and the time you think you're supposed to have on it. But I would almost take these more as like a daily puzzle. Like I would just go like, Mm. I would take some of those experiences. And even we've talked about this in the at home space. Like I think people are so used to a timer or this like amount of time they have to set aside and they can get it all done in there that it overwhelms them any moment that it goes longer than like the hour. And I think that should, I don't want to go on that topic too much in terms of the at home space, but I think people need to understand that a lot of puzzle games, especially with more puzzles, can't be done quickly. Yeah. It is meant for you to take a lot of time. And we've played some games where that's the point. Like you do this over a weekend. You can't get this done in a day. You know, and those are totally fine. And but we knew that expectation going into it. Really weak. We looked at the time it potentially could take. But I understand, like, Jimmy at the local Walmart picks up a book and goes, like, oh, I, th- I could probably do this in a day. And then he starts reading and he goes, this is going to take me, like, a year, you know, of my free time to complete this. So I think researching will be useful when it comes to, like, puzzle books. I think that's really good because the inverse of that that's going through my mind right now is this is a very cost-effective medium. Yes. In terms of puzzles per dollar, you can get a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of content out of a lot of different puzzle books. 
Now, again, there's trade-offs like we talked about. You're not going to get some of the ephemera, some of the cool stuff that we're used to in some of the other ones. So you have to kind of know and decide what you want. For me, I just get frustrated because you know I've talked about this. Yes. I would prefer a one-sitting game, a two-sitting game at most. Like I like to get my content in. Time is very valuable in my world. So the books, I feel bad because we haven't had, I think, maybe two. We've had full deck, and that might be the only one that I that I can remember in the last two years that we've covered. And even full deck was part tabletop. If you count the journal from Krakenut, we just have not had time to really invest in that much. I'm trying to think of another book that we've done that's purely just been a book. No, I think you're probably correct. I was like, I felt like I was missing one, but I think it was Root of All Evil's book. Yes. That was the other one we took over a weekend where, well, I read it in like a day or two. And I think you read it in a day or two. And then yeah. we came back because there's a lot of info that we wanted to kind yeah. of look into it. But I think Full Deck Ephemera was the other one. So, yeah, we haven't run into many books in terms of and, and it's hard too because it ends up being that issue that I agree with. Like, I think setting expectations fine, but I understand completely based on your schedule in life. Like back then I had way more time, but yeah. now I, I have like not as much or really any free time. So it's really difficult for me to go like, I'm going to sit down and do six hours of a puzzle book. <laughs> like I basically go like, okay, Jared, you and I are going to meet on this day and we're going to play this hour and a half experience. Or like I'm at home and I get some time off and I go, okay, I'm going to do this or do my chores or stuff. And I realize like, oh, I only get like a few hours yeah. to try to work on this. And it's going to take me forever to do this gigantic puzzle book. I think what you said about expectations is good. And I feel like I'm dogging it, but I, I, I think what I'm just asking for is more diversification like we saw in today's game. And there are games out there that are working on this, but it is hard when you see something, I'll see something pop up in Kickstarter and I was like, ah, this just isn't too much of a deviation from what else we're seeing. What are your other thoughts on uh, puzzle books? What what is your favorite part about them? What is your least favorite part about them as we kind of wrap up this middle section? I think in terms of favorite part for puzzle books, I actually genuinely enjoy the amount of puzzles and generally the difficulty I find in puzzle books. It kind of gives me a puzzle hunt type of feel without the extensiveness of it to some degree. And, and even some of them are basically puzzle hunts. Librarian's you, Almanac, which yeah. we haven't played yet. Yeah, and, there's a few that I have heard of or I know of that are basically like puzzle hunts. And I think those would be really fun for me because I like that kind of... I'm not crazy in the puzzle, like in the, the big puzzle hunts, but like in terms of ones that we've played, I've really enjoyed them. So I think I would enjoy that stuff. In terms of things about puzzle books, I don't like as much... It's probably just missing the tangibility. I think for me, it's hard at times because I can do puzzle hunt type, type of stuff, but usually even those, there's some, depending on the puzzle hunt I do, there's some tangibility to a degree. While like most puzzle books do have the tangibility of the book itself, but most of the puzzles are like written or doing mm. paper or like thinking it out. And so I miss like doing something more. You know, as an example, with like Magical Tale, you get a little bit more, or even like Root of All Evil has its own element to it that adds a physical element to it, also the box itself. So I think that's good. I, for me, I think what I like the most about it is I know what form I'm getting into. So I'm okay with a lot of reading at that point. Sure. Like S was a big undertaking. It took me a very long time to get through all of that, but I very much enjoyed it. And I was okay. Cause I was like, Oh, I know I'm picking up the book. I'm accepting the premise that I'm going to spend a lot of time reading. Yes. And I think you can tell some really cool interactive tales that way. 
The downside for me on this is I'm just reiterating uh, the time it takes. And I know that's a trade-off. I know that's something that's not going to change, but I remember one Christmas, I think this was 19. I think this was the year before COVID man. I went on a spree. Mm -hmm. I bought journal 19. I bought like four or five other books and then I got into them and I was just like, Nope, not my jam. Like progress was slow puzzles. Difficulty. I feel like is up as well. I couldn't touch, feel, smell, do. So I feel you. I want to have more on in the show moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think there's some real standouts out there, but just wanted to engage you in a conversation about a medium. We don't obviously look at our show history that we do not cover that much. Oh yeah, for sure. That's really going to wrap us up for our second section. We have questions for creators coming at you next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Hey everyone, Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've done this for local police departments, federal agencies, and we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. Those stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Welcome back to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. We are now here in the third section of the show that is questions for creators. In this section, we get to talk to the amazing people that contribute and make the games we get to play. On this episode, we get to bring back two amazing people, uh, Anuj and Orsi, from Enigma Fellowship. We get to talk to them about the magical tale as well as things coming forward. So the first question I have for you guys is tell us your names, the name of your company, and what you guys have been up to for the last year. Hi, guys. I'm Orsi and... And I'm Anuj, and we are from Enigma Fellowship. And we are a little company in Germany who are making uh, tabletop games, paper-based tabletop uh, escape games with puzzles. Us. So this year has been the second year of our company. And as with, I guess, or maybe I presume with many of, of our dear players as well, life has been running with us and has brought us to a hard point in Enigma Fellowship where we are trying to play catch up with, with making the games that we love making so much. Yeah, I think a lot of our players would have noticed that um, we technically entered into season two and they haven't received the shipments they would have expected on, on a certain date. But essentially, this year has been an extremely busy year for us, 
not just at Enigma Fellowship, but at real life, because we don't do this as as a full time job, as as you know, a lot of our players would know. So at, at work, personal in life, we've just had you know one thing after the other, and the beginning of the year it was production issues, it was shipping issues, it was then it was personal issues, work issues, and yeah, so we've been behind schedule, severely behind schedule, but. We haven't abandoned making the game, so we thank our players for for their patience and also apologize to them that they've had to be patient for so long to get the games. So thank you. Can you tell the audience at home what The Magical Tale is about and why you guys decided to make the medium a book? So The Magical Tale is essentially a puzzle game, an at-home tabletop experience, which we decided to make into a book and We'll get into why a book a a little bit as well, but the game takes you through, typically Enigma Fellowship makes games which are are grounded in in the real world. That's what we really like to do. But um, sometimes we feel that there are things we miss, that there are elements we would like to bring into our games, which the real world just doesn't allow you to do. You you have limitations when you're trying to question everything, why and how is that real? So... It was very nice to let loose a little bit. And that's pretty much how the story for the magical tape came up. And and when we were making the game, it was very close to Christmas. And we wanted to create a game which clearly co- communicated it takes place in a fairy tale magical world. Because in the game itself, in the story itself, there is magic involved. And that was the whole idea behind the game. So that's... That's what it is. It's basically a book that you can read. It has a lighthearted story, leaves you with some things to think about, but hopefully gives you enough entertainment through the story and the puzzles that are there. And while it's not Christmas focused, we feel like the general uplifting theme of the book is something that around Christmas hopefully enables people to sit together with friends, with family, and just have a good time. That's basically what the book was all about. I hope I'm not saying a spoiler that it has a happy ending. Absolutely. We, we we try to stray away from not giving happy endings in our games in general. So, And as far as why a book? So Orshi's had this uh, ridiculous idea in her mind for many years that I should write a book, like a storybook. And we were playing around with the idea of making, you know, something that's not based in the real world, something in the magical realm. And we started talking about what it could be. How do we get around there? And Arshi just said, well, why don't you write a, you know, a fairy tale? And we're like, huh, you know, that's a really cool idea on how that could be. And then as we thought more about it, another thing we'd been thinking about for a long time. We bought the laser machine. Well, we were playing around <laughs> with it. Exactly. We had bought a laser. Uh, we bought a laser engraver and we'd been playing around with it. And we were like, what can we use it for? Where can we use it in a game? And so just out of curiosity, we took a piece of wood, painted it up and, and etched on it and, and it looked great. And we were like, holy crap, you know, this this feels amazing. And so the book more crystallized more there. And then the other thing that we were talking about as we start really trying to come up with the full medium for it is the year before that, we'd had a lot of conversations with some of our players and our testers and so on who said that, you know, I'd love it if we could get a game that was completely offline. Like, I would not have to go online for anything. No no solution checking. I could just pick it up and go away. And honestly, 
a book is exactly that. We like to travel. And when we travel, an easy thing to take with you is a book. You just put it in your backpack and you're off and you can pick it up anywhere and read it. So why not a game that has the same format? And I know there are a lot of puzzle books out there, but then we wanted the format to be something that was still kind of like ours. If you've played any of our games, you know that even the magical tale, it, it to us at least, it feels like an offline version of our format of games. Yeah, and we, we wanted to put the the tangible components in, in the puzzles themselves, but we tried to keep the puzzles simple. So technically you can literally play it with your kids. They can do whatever is needed, you know, the all the little uh, menial tasks you can, you can uh, give it to them to do. And then you spend time together, even if it's Christmas or a birthday or whatever it is. That was the whole point, to bring people together and yeah. to, to help them have a happy and good time together. With your games, you guys usually add an addition of some accessories to the experience. So generally, that's an audiobook. Why did you guys decide to make the audiobook the way you did for this game and the intentionality for it? I'll say that in the very beginning of Enigma Fellowship, we sent out our games to um, a few friends as well who had zero experience playing these. And our games have stories as well. And one of our friends was studying for medical school. And he said that, dude, it was a cool game, but... Dang it, there was so much to read. You know, it would have been so nice if I didn't have to do all the reading. And then we're like, huh, let's do audio recordings for it so that, you know, the players can explore the new envelope, explore the new elements while they also listen to what is happening. And then there's not someone who's always on reading duty, right? And since we really got used to doing that for all our games, Anush does the audio mixing with uh, an ambient sound around it. So it's always trying to Im immerse you into the the, the story and, and the moment a little bit more. It felt like it just has to happen with the book as well. Yeah, but unlike our other games where we actually get voice actors who will add character voices and so on, in this case, we took an explicit decision not to do that. And the reason behind that was we wanted it to feel like you have someone reading a book to you, like properly, you know, you sit down by a fireplace, somebody opens a, a, a you know, fairy tale book and they read it to you. Like if I, when I was growing up, my parents Same. would read it to me, my grandparents would read yeah. me a book. And then when they went through, when a character would come, to, a new character would come up across in the book they would put on a voice and the voice would be done and in a way. Memorable as well. Yes, you exactly. would recognize who's talking just by, you know, this exactly. accent. Or... Yeah, and, and they would put on these characters and that was not to be to be ridiculous with puns, but it used to feel magical, right? It would make me, it would draw me into, into that world. And so I, we talked about this and we decided that, okay, we do not want voice actors for this. This is... We want this to feel like, you know, really that intimate experience of having somebody read to you. And that's why then Orshi sat down and did all the voices for the book. I remember one of them really made you laugh as well. Oh, absolutely. He was listening to the recording to make the uh, the audio for that particular chapter. And all of a sudden I just hear from the other room, like, ha, 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 Because he hasn't heard what kind of a, a voice I made up for that particular character. Yeah. And, and I really enjoyed the voices myself. So it was really fun. In the Enigma Fellowship games that we've played, there's a very big importance on life lessons or things that you can take away from your experiences. In The Magical Tale, it's no different. 
life lessons are very important to the experience. Why did you decide to add so many to this experience? Well, many of the stories that were read to me as a kid as well had something to learn in the end, you know, share with your friends or, you know, help the old lady, things like that. And then since we were making a book which was trying to take us back to our childhood, this magical story that's in it, it kind of felt felt like it was needing it. I, I don't know, maybe that's that's just the, the 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 child in me that that's what a story is supposed to be like. You go through hardship yeah. in it, you you do something and then in the end the hero prevails and and everything's fine. And we really wanted to have that in this game, to have a happy ending to to leave you with with uh, a good feeling. You help people through the book. So so for me also it's ditto exactly like or she said, right? It's um it's about it, the genre feels like it is it is a fairy tale and in typically in fairy tales they'll leave you with something to think about, something that you know it, it's not forceful upon you, that it's not um heavy-handed, but if you want to have a conversation with your kids about it or with your friends about it, your family about it, there's something to to take away beyond just the story and and hopefully equip, especially if you're playing with your your young ones, to help them equip them with some life lessons that they can carry on with as well. Or, or in an easy way. Exactly. Without uh, needing to do a heavy-handed talk. And and that's basically why we did that. What's in store for the future of Enigma Fellowship? You can say as much as you want or as little as you like. Ooh, well, that's an interesting question. So so I, we kind of alluded in the very beginning to the fact that things have been very busy through the year. And I think players have noticed that since the games are coming delayed, that's um, that's already given them, I think, the feeling that this has been a very high-pressure year for us. But in the future of the Enigma Fellowship, in the very short term, games two and three of, um, of season two are basically ready. And players should be seeing them coming through their post, you know, post boxes very, very soon. Um, still this year. Oh, absolutely. Still this year. Still this, within, the next, uh, <laughs> within the next few days. So the first game that we did for the one, we went to the Galapagos Islands in the, in the sand. You're going to be, it's called Dom Effect, and it's a little bit more of a crime-solving game. So it should be interesting. We're taking a turn away from doing, uh, you know, travel and history kind of game there. But then we've had players um, and friends who very specifically asked for a, a theme that they wanted. And one of them that always comes up is an Egypt theme. So the third game takes place in Egypt. We, and um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't want to give away what the story is. It's game takes place in Egypt. It's based in reality. In, in this, but we take a little bit of, you know, um, so yeah, we we take a little bit of uh, a little bit of cue from reality and and uh, write our own little story there as well. But you'll find that people who are real Egyptologists are probably going to enjoy certain aspects of it too. So that was important. Beyond that, we have interesting games planned for the last three games of season two. We kind of sort of know what the fourth game is going to be. It's currently in in production. Let's say um, we have to leave something too. Yeah. To, to, to surprise the players as well. Stay tuned. And beyond that, what I, I would like, uh, I, I think uh, is probably good to say is that season two is going to be kind of the last of our subscription season. 
So because we realized that this takes up a lot of our time and given how busy this year has been, and we've done a disservice to our players. That's what we feel like. Not having games on time is is letting them down too. And we don't want to put ourselves or our players in that position for a potential season three. This doesn't mean the end of the Enigma Fellowship. It just means that we're not going to be putting out games to a schedule anymore. And uh, we have a lot of other interesting things planned. There are some games that um, and puzzles we are thinking of, and we'll see when and how they come out. But they'll come out as they get ready in the future. And maybe they won't all be paper anymore. And maybe they will not all be paper anymore. That is also true. And a question we ask everyone, what other games have you guys been playing? If that's at-home games, if that's puzzle games, if that's card games, if it's escape rooms, what you guys have been up to and what would you recommend to the audience? Um, so after a long time, we had um, we had some time to play a couple of escape rooms. We did one in, in Florence, in Italy, we, uh, while we were there. And the theme was around uh, Nikola Tesla. And I have to say it was one of the best escape rooms that I've played. The flow was amazingly smooth. It was, it had some really interesting wow moments as well. I, I just found that the overall story, the puzzle mechanics, everything worked so smoothly in that game. It's really nice. Um, yeah. it, it, what, was the company's, it. what was the company's name? Fox and Locks, or Fox in a Box, Fox in a Box. I think uh, Fox in a Box was the name of the company. So if you're in Florence and looking for an escape room, I highly personally recommend that one. And other than that, unfortunately, we have we are we are, we are not just not making games; <laughs> we are not playing games as well. Yes. We've we've been uh, you know things in life have just kept us so busy that um, we keep buying, and and you know it's nice to see they have a nice stash. But um, important not going down. Yeah. So we'll we'll get back to you at our, our next occasion about the other puzzle games. Absolutely. Well, we are going to say a big, big thank you to the Puzzling Company for having us on, and we wish that everyone is going to listen to your podcast. Not be, not because of us, but because you are doing a great job at, at spreading the cheer about puzzle games, and not only. Indeed, that I cannot uh, disagree with. You guys are absolutely amazing. And every time we get to talk to you guys, it's always, always so much fun. And, you know, keep doing the good work that you guys are doing. Anuj and Orsi, thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's been an honor to get to talk to you guys again and get to talk about the magical tale. If you're interested in supporting Enigma Fellowship, you can go to enigmafellowship.com. That is enigmafellowship.com. And you can take a look at all of their experiences. Highly recommend them and get to have some games that you get to play with your friends, family, or just by yourself. If you'd like to support Puzzling Company, there are multiple ways that you can do that. First, you can go to our Patreon and go on there and support us at any of the tiers that are there. You'll get episodes without ads, and you'll get them early. You'll be able to join our Discord, as well as some future content that will be coming up in the next year on there. The other ways you can support us is you can go to our social medias, which is at Puzzling Company on Facebook and at Puzzling Company on Instagram. At both those places, you can get in contact with us, but also see new posts when episodes will be going live. And the final thing you can do is you can go wherever you listen to this podcast, if that's iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would super appreciate it. 
Well, that's actually going to wrap up this episode of Puzzling Company. Next week's episode is actually on a personal experience that we got from Odes Unboxed. And we were very excited to get to cover it from Josh, the creator. You have to stick to next week for Jared and Zach. This has been Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Shift Cassette Studios. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.